Welcome to Beyond Exodentals Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Petralis, and we are here for our sixth episode, and we are really excited for our, our guest today. You know, a few weeks back, we had on Macalusi, the head girls lacrosse coach at Melrose High School, and at the beginning of his, um, you know, his episode, he talked about his roots in Medford and starting the program in Medford, and, you know, there was a coach that was a transition between Matt and this current guest that I'm having on, but basically, Matt kind of handed the reins over of his program to uh, Megan Olson, who's our our guest today and um, she's done great things she's done great things in the community you know she teaches in the city of Medford the same you know the same city that I happen to teach in I've heard nothing but great things about her and I uh, was really excited that she was interested in coming on the podcast and really talking about her program and who she is as a person and uh, so we're really excited to have on a young coach someone who is has a lot of energy that's fired up um, and, and is looking to do great things and, and really carrying that torch that Matt passed on to our uh, ladies and gentlemen Megan Olson. Hey, Anthony. Thanks for the introduction. Um, I have to throw a shout out to Matt Galusi as well. I did check out his podcast and uh, I got to let him know that uh, Medford Girls Lacrosse is in good hands and I promise to take care of it and never forget where it came from. So uh, thanks for starting the program and uh, thanks for letting me take over. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, I was really excited afterwards, you know, he was speaking really nicely about you. And then, you know, through the city, like hearing you as a teacher in Medford, and we didn't really know each other too well, but I heard nothing but great things. And it was great. We kind of reached out to each other and, and, uh, and here you are. So um, we're lucky to have you on today and really excited to, to hear what you have to talk about some of the great things that you are doing and you've currently already done. Uh, in the city of Metro for girls across. So let's talk about it a little bit. Give us a little background about, you know, who you are, uh, your your history and background in lacrosse and, and where you're at now. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start by saying right now I'm the seventh grade uh, middle school math teacher at the McGlynn Middle School. And along with that, I'm the varsity girls lacrosse coach, as you know. Um, this past year, I also coached the middle school girls basketball team. And for the past three years, I've been the middle school CCSR advisor. So we're definitely going to talk about that a little bit later. But um, with my lacrosse career, uh, I started playing lacrosse in fifth grade. It carried me to uh, playing through Arlington Youth. And then I went to Mattanon High School. And then I continued playing at Assumption College in Worcester, Massachusetts. So you have a pretty extensive background in, in, in girls lacrosse and you really understand the game really well. So kind of a cool story. So you, you played it at Assumption and then you had mentioned that you played at Mattanon High School. Um, and when you got out of college, the first job you took was as an assistant coach at uh, Mattanon High School. But who was the head coach of the team? <laughs> yeah, head coach. Uh, Got to shout out my dad for that one. But uh, <laughs> a funny story, actually. So my freshman year of high school, we didn't have a girls lacrosse coach at Mattanon, and my dad had been the Arlington High um, freshman girls coach for the past like 10 years. And my athletic director was just gonna coach, didn't know anything about girls lacrosse, and my dad volunteered to step up because he, he wanted to give me um, the coaching experience that he thought I deserved at the time. <laughs> and uh, we definitely had a lot of fun with that, um, him being my coach. And then, like you mentioned, I graduated college and I was getting my master's and my first year teaching and I ended up assistant coaching for my dad at, uh, at Mattanon. And um, comes even more full circle and I accepted this job at Medford High and what do you know, I got to play Mattanon twice. <laughs> so 
played for my dad, coached with my dad, and now I'm playing against my dad. <laughs> so, so I have to ask, what is the, what is the lifetime record against one another? <laughs> the lifetime record is a, a 2-0 Medford. So, oh, wow, wow. Surprisingly, my first season, it was our only two wins versus my dad, and it made for a funny Easter. <laughs> but, but you know what, that's, I mean, it's, you know what, for your dad to, to, to compete against you and to coach against you when he's taught you the game and, and now to kind of see like his work in action. I mean, that's, that's really special. That's, that's real cool. And yeah. I know you mentioned he coached football in Arlington too. We definitely crossed paths, I'm sure at some point. I know maybe the reins of, I think you said he was on the Dean Hirsch when I was with Serge. Yeah. I think we definitely probably have met each other and, and, and have seen each other before, but very cool. Um, so, you know, talk about the process, you know, you, you worked as a, a year under your dad, obviously lacrosse is in your background, it's in your family. Um, and, and now this opportunity opens up at Mefford high school, walk us through the process a little bit, especially for a younger coach. I know you're 25 um, years old and, and, and that's a young head coach. That's, that's getting a program at a young age and you're really having the ability to mold it. So talk about the interview process for maybe these younger people, these younger coaches that are listening to kind of hear what you have to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, along with having that assistant coaching experience, I think getting my master's right out of college kind of set me above some other people that were interviewing the same jobs as I was. Um, I have my special ed license, a middle school math license, and an elementary license. And I know that made me stand out when I applied for this job in Medford. Um, initially, I was in Groton Dunstable, so I was commuting about an hour. And I wasn't able to put the time and energy into coaching that I always knew I wanted to do. Um, so one day, Nick Tucci called me out of the blue. It was actually uh, the 4th of, July, 4th of July weekend. I think it was right before the 4th of July or right after. And said, hey, um, Dave Kuzmet's a sixth grade math teacher who I've known for 10 years uh, doing camp counselor in Arlington, handed me your resume, and I think we have a, a job opening for you. So I went into that interview not really knowing. It was a, a brand new math intervention position at the McGlynn. I didn't know much about Medford other than I used to play them in sports and I grew up down the street in Arlington. Um, he said to me, so I uh, see you played lacrosse in college. Um, I was a big baseball player. I came to Medford. I started coaching baseball. Uh, I, I hear that there's an opening at the, at the high school for girls lacrosse, varsity, head coach. And I was like, sold. <laughs> Can I sign the papers now? Like, this is a dream come true. Get to teach. I'm a head coach. Um, at at the time, I was 23 when he was offering me this position. I'm like, this is exactly what I wanted and what I was going for. So um, I, I sat down with uh, Bobby Maloney and Deleva, and they asked me a few questions and said, "It's yours. Who do you want to be your uh, assistant coach?" And I was like, "What? I gotta choose who my assistant coach is?" Picked one of my best childhood best friends, uh, Mary Roach. Her and I grew up playing together, Arlington youth, and we've, for the past two and a half years, have had a blast coaching together. And it's, it's really cool because we can say that we started playing together in fifth grade and here we are. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's great. You know, you walk into a situation that, 
you know, maybe I don't know how much you knew about the program, but obviously had a coach for a real long time. Like I said, someone we had on just a few weeks back and, um, you know, and, and I know there was a transition year in between, but you know, you're invested in the city, right? You're, you're teaching in the city. You have, you know, people that you know, and you're able to kind of start the program the way, the way that you want. You had mentioned, you know, your first year, I know it went a little rough. You had mentioned kind of only a few wins, but talk about, you know, your first order of business when you got the head coaching job and you accepted it and signed, you know, the contract, what was your first, you know, real goals or real things that you wanted to get out there and start doing right away to kind of get your team ready for the season? Yeah, absolutely. So I know that uh, when Galusi was the coach, they were playing in the GBL. And um, the, the year before my myself and my first year, we were playing in the, the NEC and we were playing big schools like Marblehead and Winchester. And it was definitely some tough competition with programs that have been thriving for years. And um, there was a transition year between Matt and myself where we lost a bunch of seniors, talented seniors. And I think the season before kind of made their heads pulled down a little bit as opposed to holding them up high. So a couple things that when I came in, I, I wanted to make sure that commitment was the number one expectation that these girls were showing up before practice started. They were working their butts off during practice, after practice, putting time and energy in outside of practice because they loved the game and they loved the team and they wanted to do well. Um, Along with that, I know that years ago, Medford Girls Lacrosse used to have a, a big youth program. And unfortunately, over the past couple of years, I had heard that it died down a little bit. Um, right when I got the coaching job and it became known, I started getting emails from parents that were in seventh and eighth grade, like, I, there's no youth team. Like, what should we do? Like, some people are playing in Charlestown. I was like, no, no, no. We need to bring them back to Medford. Like, they want... I want them to be proud to be playing for Medford. And I want them to come to Medford High and be proud that they're playing girls lacrosse for Medford. So started some youth clinics right away, got the girls involved and uh, we hit the ground running. And that's great. I think that's always a way to, especially in any you know city of time, I've always coached at a Catholic school. And so, you know, you kind of get year to year different kids and you don't really know the crop that's coming in, but being in a city of town that you have that youth program where you're trying to rebuild that youth program is really important because I know coaches that I've talked to about having big youth programs in any sport, it's the lingo, it's the language, it's maybe how you run your offense or how you run your defense, just terms that they can start getting familiar with. So the time they get up to high school, you're not necessarily teaching that because that's been implemented in youth you know, now for some time and that terminology is there. But let's talk about, and you mentioned, you know, getting girls involved and getting the team involved with the youth program. Let's talk about like captains and leadership. How do you take over a program and then figure out right away who your leaders are and who are the people that you want to lead this team as far as electing maybe captains go? Yeah, it's actually interesting for my first year coming in, they had already elected two captains and, um, I've always liked having two senior captains and one junior captain so that the junior captain kind of learns the ropes a little bit, holds the underclassmen together, and then has that, that year under her belt for the next year to be a, that much of a stronger captain as a senior. So when I came in, um, there were two captains, both seniors, and I didn't know any of the girls yet. Um, my assistant coach and I kind of gave them some time to prove themselves as captains. I told them that I could easily take it away <laughs> as much as I didn't want to, but because I was, I was a new coach and I wanted to um, 
have that authority and uh, make sure that I had two of the best girls leading my team. And down the road, we had a couple weeks in, we had three senior captains and one junior captain. Um, there was a girl who was a captain that I, I believe that um, I kind of molded her into being a leader. Um, I think she was lacking that before. She was an unbelievable cross player, but I think I kind of like lit a fire under her and, and inspired her to be um, a better leader on the team. And with that, I granted her a captainship. So I think that um, is just one example of the expectations that um, myself and my assistant coach had as we came in. Like, what is a leader? What should a captain be? And I think that's important, right? Because that is the foundation of your program, because that first person or those first group of people that you're choosing, you're hoping that they're laying the cement down and start building it, right? So by having that, you know, I remember my first year coaching, I had some great captains who just, yes, coach, no problem, coach, okay, coach, and led by example. And that's great. And, you know, I think looking at it that way and saying to yourself, I need to make sure that the best people are leading my team, not necessarily the best players, but the mm -hmm. best people that are best for this program. So, you know, I'm totally with you on that. And I know we're going to jump into a little bit more of leadership training that you are involved with, with the city of Method and, and the athletic department and everything else. And I think this is mega for your program, but just something that brings the, the athletics up in the city even more so by doing this. But let's just talk a little bit about your season before that. So obviously first year, you know, you're kind of jumping in there was a transition coach between you and someone who had run it for a long time you're playing in a much tougher league that's had girls lacrosse develop for a very long time strong feeder programs you know competing hard and you're jumping into this newer league with numbers down and you know not having as many upperclassmen as there once was so talk a little bit about maybe some of the tough parts of the season but also maybe Megan when you noticed the change or the, t the tide turning a little bit that you're saying, okay, what I set out to do is starting to show. Yeah. I, I want to say I noticed it right away. I had um, three or four meetings actually, which is pretty, it's kind of a lot for um, an out of season coach. So like leading up to preseason, I had four meetings where I set the groundwork. I'm like, this is what you should be doing right now to get ready for the season physically. This is what you should be doing to get ready for the season mentally. Um, and academically, like, I'm sure you can attest to this as well, but being a teacher and a coach, like, if you're not doing well in school, you're not playing. Um, right. And I think that's a valuable lesson for them to learn. Um, they came out ready to be conditioned, um, ready to be better um, than they were the season before. They were frustrated with their season before. Um, and they were excited to have me, I think, a young, positive um, coach with a lot of experience and a drive to just lacrosse 24-7. <laughs> uh, some of them probably didn't love that, but <laughs> yeah. I think one game where I really noticed it, and, and like I mentioned earlier, we went 2-16. and 16. Um, We were in a, in a really tough league, and um, we were coming back to the GBL last, last season, which is why I'm so disappointed with COVID, but we did play Winchester, um, historically known for being a powerhouse girls lacrosse team. Coach has been there 10, 15 maybe years um, since I was in high school and before then. Um, we held them four and out half. So my goalie never played goalie before. She was a softball catcher turned goalie. Um, that was, she did a fantastic job, but that was definitely a struggle 
not having somebody who played goalie before. Um, she did a great job. Um, and 4-0 at half is pretty big. I think we ended up losing the game 12-1. Uh, to 1. But 4-0 at half, their coach had them down on the other end of the field um, at the high school screaming at them <laughs> for the way that they were playing or allowing us to hold them to 4-0. And I think I said to the girls that game, I said to the girls at halftime, I was like, I do not care about the score. Um, what matters right now is how hard you guys are playing, how well you're playing together as a team. And that's showing like if we had put a couple goals away, it would have been a much closer game, but it wasn't, it wasn't important. And I wanted, I wanted the girls to realize that, that this was a rebuilding year and what we're looking for them to do is work hard and play together and play well together and, and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that is something build, you know, big to build off of because when you ever play a team that is just traditionally very good and a team can for a half or a part of the game show that they can compete and play with a team like that. Now these girls start mentally saying to themselves, yes, we can play with these players. Yes. I can run with these girls from all these big schools and all these teams that we're playing and we can play teams like Winchester and play tough. So that kind is always a turning point. I feel like that when kids start really buying into systematically what you're putting together and trying to put out there. So let's talk a little bit about the off season. Cause you had mentioned it. So, you know, you had your first season, you know, and you had your highs and your lows, like everybody has in their seasons. What was, what was your message to the girls as far as their off season went? Now, are you a big advocate into, I want my girls playing club lacrosse and I want you playing as much lacrosse as you possibly can from now and until next season? Or are you the type of coach that says, I want you to be competitive and play some other sports or do you, do you kind of mix bag it between the two of them? Yeah, um, I'd say I'm somewhere in the middle, but I definitely lean towards being a three-sport athlete. Um, I myself was a three-sport athlete, and I think there's so much to learn from other coaches and other teammates that's transferable in lacrosse and in other sports. Um, so I encourage the girls, like, play soccer in the fall, run cross-country, um, run track in the winter, uh, play basketball, play hockey do something so that you're staying active, you're competing, and you're, you're learning to become a better leader and a better teammate. Um, and I think a lot of the girls on the lacrosse team actually played some other seasons together. And I, like this past year, we just lost out on, but there was a handful of girls that played basketball together. And um, they had a great coach, brand new coach um, from last year. And I was really looking forward to how they mesh during basketball season and how that would transfer over to lacrosse season. So I definitely think like play three sports in high school. You get, you learn the, the ropes of high school sports, um, the, the commitment and the, the team spirit um, is a great experience. Yeah. And I've always found like other sports, every sport's different. You know, the football world, it's 11 guys in the field, basketball, hockey's five guys out there, baseball, there's nine. So, you know, it's a different mentality and there's different types of leadership in every sport. You got to be patient and different. And, you know, in, in like a basketball game, the final two minutes is always like 12, 13 minutes long. Right. So it's, you know, there's different mentalities and there's different types of leadership style and there's different ways to go about and attacking things. And I feel like, you know, 
high school sports, the mental aspect of the game is just not talked about as much as it should because, you know, kids that are mentally tougher and that are mentally prepared and have that IQ to understand situations, those are the kids that are just competitive year round. And sometimes only playing one sport year round, you maybe don't gain that other knowledge of those other things that you would because you're just playing the same sport and facing the same scenario over and over and over again. So I know that you're very big into leadership and, and building leadership in your program. And, and, and I just know through the city of Medford that you put some amazing things together. So talk about your first off season, as far as what you did through CCSR, if you could explain that to people too, a little bit, what that is. Um, and then talk about how you implemented that into the, the sports world, the athletic department for a lot of other high school sports in the city of Medford. Yeah, absolutely. So CCSR stands for Center for Citizenship and Social Responsibility. Um, it was founded by Rich Trotta and Michael Scorker is the advisor at the high school. Like I mentioned, I was the advisor at the middle school. But one thing that I'm extremely passionate about is leadership. And um, a lot of students in, on the lacrosse team too, a lot of uh, high school students were telling me that they didn't find that they could participate in CCSR because practice is after school. And, I think CCSR is a great opportunity for students to become leaders and grow as individuals. So I look for a way to connect it and um, we put together these leadership panels like you, you, you mentioned. So what that looked like was a couple leaders from the Medford community and beyond or, or ties to the Medford community answering questions and interacting with student athletes at the high school. So the very, the very first one I did, um, I had Nick Tucci on, I had Mayor Burke at the time, they had uh, Jay Sabetti, the Tufts football coach, and we've had a couple different um, leaders since then. We had Kayla Trainer, who is a U.S. lacrosse player. We had um, Frankie Roach, Tufts football player. Um, and then just yeah. so people know, Nick Tucci is your principal, but he's also was drafted, I think, by like the Padres, maybe the yeah, same Padres. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And he, um, he coached at Medford High Baseball for a while there, too. Um, mm -hmm. So he has a wealth of knowledge about leadership and athletics, which is exactly what we we're calling it. And the big goal was that leadership qualities in athletics are transferable to other areas of your life. And I think Nick is a perfect example of that, or, or myself and you as well. Like we were athletes and we learned and we grew and now we're coaches and teachers and mentors. Um, so all these qualities that you learn. So I think this is a great experience for the student athletes. And they always told me that they were really inspired when they were able to ask questions that they came up with themselves um, about like, how did you become the leader you are today? Um, what's, um, What's a time where you failed and you learned from it? Um, some of these questions that they were coming up with were, it put me on the spot. Like, I was like, I don't know if I have an answer to this right now. You're making me think. But um, it was a great opportunity for them to learn from people who had ties to Medford, like I mentioned earlier, and were proud to be from Medford or working in Medford or had relatives in Medford to just share their story. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's so great too. Like you said, just to get people that 
have ties in the city that have success and that, you know, maybe use athletics as a platform for them to get to that next step of who they are and what they're doing. So, and at such a young age for yourself to put such a big thing together. And I, you know, I feel like I might've walked in on it a few times if that's, it was at my school, I think it might've been in the auditorium that I feel like yeah. I might've peeked in and noticed it. So now I'm putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. Absolutely. So that's great. But um, you know, that's, that's awesome. And I know, um, the athletic wing, I know, talk about that a little bit after, you know, you kind of had all these um, different, you know, platforms of people coming on and speaking and really working with the kids and the types of questions they were asking and just the overall involvement of the, of the youth in the community with members of the community. Talk about how that transferred over to the school a little bit. Yeah, so the panels were kind of like the inspirational piece behind this. And then I, uh, I challenged the student athletes. I had a a handful of girls from the lacrosse team, from the basketball team, um, the football team, and a couple other uh, athletes. They um, had to come up with a project after this through CCSR. And six students decided that they were going to redesign the athletic holiday at Medford High. And if you've walked on there, uh, it's looking pretty good. Um, they haven't finished it because of COVID, but all the ideas were their own. Everything was hand-drawn by student-athletes, painted by student-athletes, um, and this was part of a course that they took with Mr. Scorker at the high school. Um, they decided, we're going to redesign the athletic hallway because we want to show our pride, our pride in being a Medford Mustang. We want to encourage student-athletes when they walk down the hallway, and we want to get pumped up when we're walking down the hallway and, and look to the side and we see... Um, our team roster photo, or we see like um, a Medford Mustang head and uh, different trophies that uh, teams have won or athletes have won um, and been, been recognized for over the years. So um, this was extremely inspiring that they wanted to do this. And Bobby Maloney and Rachel Perry were great. Anything that they needed help with, they got it done for them. Uh -oh. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I know them both personally, great athletic director, assistant athletic director. And um, yeah, you know, I, I, I was in that hallway probably in May. I, I had to go actually pick something up. And that was the first thing I noticed. I'm like, wow, this looks a lot different here because I worked there all summer long. So I see that hallway whenever there's a change and notice it, you know, so it's like when I walked in there, it, it really did look sharp and, and I love the color scheme of it. I thought they did a great job. Yeah. So that was cool really to see did. that you were really connected with that as well. Um, so again, great stuff that you're doing, not only for your program, but also teaching your girls beyond and really trying to kind of call what you want, but get your roots or get whatever kind of wrapped around all the other programs and really starting to build that leadership aspect and taking your real job. Um, you know, I always say teaching like your real job and coaching your fun job, right? But like taking your real job and how you're involved with, with kids on a different level and then taking that into the sports world, I think is absolutely amazing. So here's a question that I want to ask you just because I know your sport's a spring sport and let's talk about going into year two. I know spring season was pretty close to when I think, you know, basketball shut down and, and, and all sports and the whole world shut down, Right. Talk about, you know, how not having a season maybe affected your short-term plans going into your long-term plans as far as where you wanted to take your program next. Yeah, I was as heartbroken as I think most seniors were and, and spring athletes were last spring. Um, it was year two. I felt like I had made my name known. I had made my expectations known with the team. I knew the girls. 
I knew the incoming freshman class from clinics that we had done. Um, I'd made the schedule for us. So we were playing some teams that we were extremely competitive with. We were back in the GBL and bam, COVID it. <laughs> so, I, I mean, we definitely made progress. Um, but unfortunately, we weren't able to continue to progress. We're kind of at a halt right now. Um, and I, th I think we did a lot of good work before the season with uh, clinics. And like I said, I knew the freshman class coming in because they had come to my clinics. And they, I knew they were extremely talented. Um, but I was definitely heartbroken for my seniors and uh, for the team um, in the spring because we were ready. Um, we, were, we had been having like Google Classroom discussions and, and meetings. I know they were doing um, captain's practices. Like, I think it was gonna be our season. So it was definitely extremely disappointing, especially as a, a second year coach coming back into the GBL for a competitive season. Yeah, where you kind of had a little bit more control of your schedule. You're now switching back to the original league that you were in for many, many years before that. So, yeah, the know. one thing he was so successful with. <laughs> so, you know, it is um, obviously there was a lot you were looking forward to, but in that in that off season too, because that was your first off season, was how much um, in, in the world of lacrosse? And I know through the world of football, there we you know we go to conferences and we go to seminars and webinars and all that stuff talk about how you educate yourself as a lacrosse coach you know especially being a first year coach how did you then maybe go back to the chalkboard a little bit and say hey maybe I, I gotta learn a little bit different or do something a little bit different talk about a coach's process for that in lacrosse yeah definitely um so I, I know the game like the back of my hands but coaching is something that you can always learn and grow with um so some, something that I actually did a lot of is uh, I did some of John Gordon's webinars with Kate Laville. And um, I actually, she, she even forwarded me one of her books or a chapter of a book that I read up on. And um, I think this was helpful for me because after my first season going two and 16, I, there was definitely times where I was like, am I doing this correctly? Like, what did I do wrong? Absolutely. <laughs> and, yeah two of their big messages is just like one work ethic and two staying positive. And I, I like to think that I carry these over into how I'm a coach. And um, I learned a lot of this from my dad too, but staying positive and knowing that there's room to grow always um, is something that I took a lot from. And then the work ethic piece and just like how to inspire the girls to be better teammates, how to, how to get them to, want to stay after practice and shoot a bucket of balls um how to get them to show up early to practice and, and start working on their stick work before practice even starts and i definitely got some uh tricks in the toolbox that i'm i'm ready to use <laughs> yeah and, and I think that's so important, right? You know, I, I just know my growth in football going to clinics was such a big thing for me. And, you know, some guys look at it as a weekend away, you know, because we're traveling here or there or whatever, and it's, it is fun. Um, but it, it really is, you know, you go into it and, and you learn so much. You just see how coaches do things and you're like, huh, I mean, I don't maybe have the athletes they have that they're showing on film. However, this yeah. could work if I tweak this around a little bit. And I, you always learn something and you always take it back. So, you know, 
constantly educate yourself. You're right. As a coach, you're all, you're learning so much nonstop. The game changes so much and the speed of the game and the athleticism of the game just picks up and you have to educate yourself with it. So it's great that you, you know, at least you took advantage of it at that point. Um, talk about this spring, right? Like you kind of know what you have, right? In, in the sense of, of players, but there's a year of them not playing each other or playing in club or even playing other sports. Um, so talk about what you think you have and what you're still really trying to figure out about your team now that you lost the season, right? Yeah. So the biggest struggle, it seems to like carry me everywhere, carry with me everywhere is, I don't know who my goalie is. <laughs> so right now uh, we don't have a goalie. Um, we actually like recruited somebody from the basketball team last year who was going to play, play goalie for us, Shakira. And she would have done a fantastic job. So she graduated. So we're kind of like starting over again. But um, like I mentioned earlier, I know a lot of the now sophomores, the incoming um incoming girls lacrosse players because they had come to my clinics before um, and I know I have a great deal of talent my my seniors are talented um, my now juniors are talented but you're right I I lost almost 15 girls in the past two years so it's really just like the starting lineup and and who's going to play what position that is something that I still need to figure out because so I know I have talent I know that the girls have work ethic I know that they are um, capable of being in shape and uh, they have, um, they're quick, they're, they have a lot of speed um, and they're strong. And I've, I've seen that in other sports, but it's definitely gonna be a challenge not playing competitively, um, not playing sports at all, and definitely not playing lacrosse for over a year. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you're seeing it even, I mean, even now with the NFL on, you're just seeing teams just making so many mistakes and turning the ball over and it just all comes with not having time to really get rhythm. So I know your season's kind of weird now, your spring season almost starts when it typically would maybe kind of end and end, you know, almost in the 4th of July. I think it's like the day before or a couple of days before, but yeah. um, kind of crazy. Right. But so Let's talk about you a little bit. Talk about your coaching style, you know? So let's say we're going out to a practice, you know, we're heading into week one of a game. Talk about how you run your practices. What is kind of your style approach with your, with your players? Yeah, so uh, one of my favorite things is uh, not to give directions for the first 20 minutes of practice. Um, I think that the captains should be leading the, the warm-up stretches and the warm-up stick stick routine um so I like to kind of just stand there and watch I, I uh I'm looking and taking note of who is here early who had their sticks going before who's coming from study hall um who's coming from detention like who's getting dropped off in a car with their friend and just had McDonald's like <laughs> these are the things that I'm I'm just kind of like soaking in um the first 20 minutes of practice because like we talked about earlier um a good leader is a good leader on and off the field. Um, they're going to be the one who's there before practice starts. They're going to be the one encouraging their teammates to get ready and get moving. So that's definitely the first 20 minutes of practice. And then um, once we get going, uh, I like to do a lot of situational um, situational practices and um, mini scrimmage likes. Uh, so 
I'm not conditioning the girls the entire time, uh, maybe the last five, 10 minutes, but it's becoming an expectation that um, you should be doing some physical running, um, whether it's weightlifting or anything outside of practice so that during practice we can focus on playing together as a team. And I definitely sneak in some fitness into some drills as well, because um, it's more game-like that they're running with a stick in their hand and whatnot. But uh, I think I'm pretty laid back in a sense where I like to have fun with the girls as well. And I think that's one of the most important things. And uh, something I learned from my dad is nobody wants to just show up to practice and be yelled at the entire time. Like, go faster, work harder, shoot faster. Like, nobody signed up for that in high school lacrosse um, or high school sports in general. They're coming to be competitive, spend time with their friends, grow, have fun. And um, I think that's something that unfortunately gets taken for granted a lot. Uh, so there's definitely always some type of fun drill. And sometimes it might just be like who can balance their stick on their hand for the longest. And I think those are the opportunities where the girls get to laugh together, grow together, and um, bond as teammates. And, and that's something that I don't want to take for granted because a solid team is one that gets along, encourages each other, and, and works together. And um, it's what I want to have here in Medford. Yeah, and I think that you're looking at longevity, right? You're kind of looking at long game and not short game here. So those values of, you know, who you are and what you want your program to be, um, I think that's great is not communicating that first 20 minutes and just saying, okay, leaders lead, you know, and, and leaders lead from the front, right? So it's, it's putting them in a situation early on to be able to problem solve and work together and uh, communicate. Communication is important. We know in the classroom and it is most even more important communicating on the play, playing field, no matter what sport it is, so on and so forth. Um, talk about sacrifices that you make. I mean, you know, you're a young coach, you're running a program, you know, your off season where people think, oh, you're not coaching, you're free, sometimes is more your, your busiest time in a weird way. Um, so talk about the, you know, how you balance life and, you know, how you make sacrifices for, for what you're truly passionate about. Absolutely. I think um, there's definitely a lot of sacrifices. Like you mentioned, I'm 25 and um, at a time before COVID, I <laughs> Um, definitely had a lot more options for, for plans and going out, hanging out with my friends. But sometimes uh, when you got a 7 a.m. bus ride, you want to be in bed at 8 o'clock on a Friday night. And um, it's definitely a sacrifice that I am willing to make. Um, I love the relationships that I make with the girls on my team. And I, I'm, I'm encouraging them to go for team dinners. And I'm tagging along for a little bit, making sure that they're enjoying themselves and everything's positive. And um, I think that's, that takes a lot for a coach, especially my age, to put that amount of energy and time into um, making sure that the team is bonding well, um, making sure that I'm on my A game 24 seven and being available to, to talk to, to other coaches and um, about how'd your game go the other day with so-and-so, we play them next week. It's a commitment to to spend 30 minutes on on the phone with the coach after dinner uh, long bus rides make sure the girls get picked up but it's definitely worth it yeah. <laughs> definitely exhausting um i always <laughs> don't tell anybody this but i always like to take uh, a personal day right before the season starts and then right <laughs> the season ends because 
I need a day to just like catch up on sleep and um, not be like running from, from here to there. But yeah. And I think that's important. I think it, like, you know, we talked about mental toughness and we talked about, you know, games being so mental, I think for a coach too, in order to prepare and to order to get your mindset right, not just in the sport, but even teaching, like, you know, personal day is a personal day. It's your, it's your data, how to use it, you know, but um, you know, getting yourself ready. I mean, I had so many years that I run a summer camp and then summer camp ends on a Friday and then football starts on a Monday and then school starts, you know, and it was just like, it was grind time. Like, and, and you do make a lot of sacrifices and you make, you make a lot of, you know, decisions of I'm going to go drive to Braintree to go scout a game on a Friday night because we're playing this team next week. And, and I need to live look at them, you know? So there is a lot of traveling and there's a lot that goes on to it. What's your, what's your advice to young coaches that, you know, and, and listen, you, you coach as an assistant coach for a year and then you got a head coaching gig. So you got into a pretty quick leap. So what's your advice to young coaches that want to make that jump or want to make that climb and take over a program at a young age and say, Hey, this is, this is what you got to do. And this is how you got to do it. Tell us a little bit of advice that you would give for someone like that. I think, I think the biggest advice, and I think I got it myself is like the time you put in is what you're going to get out of it. So, um, I just mentioned a lot about like, uh, bus rides and after practice and all of that, but the, the time is also, um, putting on clinics in the off seasons and, and growing the program through the youth. Um, that is definitely going to help you in the long run. And I'm, I can't wait until the little five-year-old girls I have now um, at my clinics are going to be sophomores, juniors on the team. Like we're going to be fire because <laughs> they'll have known me for uh, most of their life by then. <laughs> but I think um, for a young coach, it's, it's definitely frustrating. And Coach Scary, the, the guys, lacrosse, uh, guys basketball coach at the high school, he told me like, yeah, your first couple of years, you're going to figure it out. Um, the record doesn't mean anything. It's are the girls happy? Are the parents happy? Is the school happy? Are you happy? And the wins are going to come. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's great. You know, I think that there's always ups and downs in, in programs and there's years that you just maybe have the talent and some years you don't quite have the talent and, yeah. you know, the league around you is just better. And, and so, um, you know, it, it, coaching is it's such a love hate thing. You know, there's some years that you lose your mind with it. And then there's some years you just love it, you know, and it's not necessarily about wins or losses. Like you said, it's just kind of the kids and the effort that they put into it is um, a big, a big aspect of it too. So we're going to jump into our final segment, but I just want to say, you know, thank you so much. This is, you gave some real great things as a young coach. I really think you have your head on your shoulders and you kind of see, you know, kind of the end game and you know where you want to be and how you want to get there. And you understand that there's, there's going to be ups and downs with that. And there's going to be a balance of things going your way, not going your way, but just to kind of keep, you know, lowering the shoulder and, and fighting your way through. So I'm really excited. I, I just, I know you're going to do great things. Your reputation in the city kind of speaks for itself. And um, I'm really excited for you. So we're going to jump into our last segment. It's called our two minute drill. So basically I'm just going to fire some like rapid fire questions at you you know, like one or two word answers. I mean, some guests have gone on and just kind of talk and, you know, <laughs> so it's kind of ends up turning into whatever, but um, I'm just going to try to give you as many rapid fire questions as I can. I do get one booth review. So I do get to challenge something if, uh, you know, I want you to explain it a little bit more or you might just want it. And I, and I know. Right. So, um, yeah, no, it's fun stuff. It's fun stuff for sure. So um, I'm going to start the clock and 
away we go. Two minute drills on. So favorite Jersey number. What's your number? Uh, four. Four. But I in high school. Okay. What, so I'll ask you this. What win was bigger against your dad? The first one or the second one? Second one. Senior. Second one. Uh, okay. 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 Um, so you might've answered this question already in conversation, but I was going to ask you, would you prefer to have a stud goal scorer or a stud goalie? Goalie. Cause I, uh, I need one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I was like, Oh, she, I had this question geared up. I'm like, all right. And now I know the answer to it. <laughs> if your team could come out to a theme song this year, what would be the theme song? Oh, who let the dogs out? Okay. Okay. Was your first year of coaching way harder than you expected? No. No? Okay. I'll throw the red flag on that. I'm going to challenge <laughs> that. Explain that because I'm very interested because you, you seem like a very calm, cool, and collective person. So I'm not surprised by that answer, but I would love to hear you explain it a little bit more. Uh, I, you know, I have to say I had some really fantastic parents that kind of like tooted my horn a little bit. Um, and it was definitely hard coming off of having Galusi there before me, but, uh, the girls had a, a tough transition year in between us and I had parents that were extremely happy. The girls were happy and they're just kind of reaffirming that for me. Like, their daughter had never been so excited to play lacrosse like this. And that kind of made me feel like I was doing the right thing. Yeah. And I think that's important as like, in, especially so in, in your first year that, you know, you, like you said, you're taking over for somebody who started the program and brought it to a pretty successful point and, and is continuing to do so in his career. So there's always that pressure. I took over for a coach who coached for over 30 years and I was like, <laughs> Gulp, like, like, oh man, you know, and more wins, but uh, yeah, I hear you. (laughs) But you know, everyone knows what you're doing and the good things that you're doing, and and to kind of hear that as a coach, yeah, it feels good when you know the parents and kids are happy with what you're doing and you're working them hard and you're putting them for the ringer and you're making them realize and fall in love with something that you're in love with, right? So there are such positives to it. Um, All right, we got a couple more questions. We got a little bit more time. I'll start the clock back up. So your preferred style game, would you want like a low scoring 3-2 game or would you prefer to be in a shootout? Low scoring. Okay. Um, What would you say is the biggest thing that your father taught you, playing for your father and coaching with your father? What's one thing that you would say that's helped you out with your first year of being a head coach that your dad maybe taught you as a coach, as a player, or just working with him? If you shoot it really hard, the goalie won't be there next time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Biggest thing with him was definitely balance. Thank God. have your expectations and um, little goals that you want to achieve. And with the little goals uh, come some bigger goals. That's great. That's awesome. And you have survived the two minute drill. You are good. Um, so again, we, I really want to thank you for coming on. I, I was so intrigued when Matt had mentioned you and then I heard so many great things about you and it was just like, okay, we, we need to, we need to get her on here. I think you're in the, you're heading in the right direction with your program and just stick true to you. My advice would be to you is this, you, you have a vision, you have an understanding of what you want it to be. And there's going to be rough waters to get there, but you will get there. And so just stick to you and stick to what you believe in. And, and that's, that's what you got to do to be successful. 
successful. So um, I, I see what you're doing for the city. I see what you're doing uh, for the athletic program and, and, and the programs in great hands. And I really look forward to it. I'd love to have you back on the show maybe before the season or after the season and talk a little bit about year two. Well, I guess year three, but we'll call it 2B with COVID. Call it a red share year. Yeah, you know, and just to kind of see, you know, just to check in on you and see how everything's going. So we were really lucky to have you. I really thank you for coming on and, and good luck with everything. Absolutely. Thank you so much for doing this and highlighting uh, coaches around the area. I think uh, this is really going to hit the ground and I'm definitely going to share this and spread it and get yeah. coaches pumped up and appreciate it. Ah, yeah, of course. I, I know how hard coaches work. I know how hard ADs work, assistant coaches work, you know, and we're going to be having different segments on throughout. And I, and I have so many guests lined up that are just excited to get on and tell their story. So we're really lucky we have you and had you on. And like I said, you are, you are welcome here any other time you want to be on here down the road. I'll come back once I get another win in my, in my pocket. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe we'll get your dad on here. Maybe it might be the third win, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> well uh you know from beyond x's and o's podcast i'm anthony petralis megan olson thank you so much for coming on and, and good luck this season thank you all right